Hey, Jordan Harbinger here from The Art of Charm. Welcome to Minnesota Monday, your weekly shot of personal development espresso. Speaking of which, I had a few too many shots of this morning because I woke up on the wrong side of the bed and decided to over-caffeinate, which, by the way, doesn't actually help. So <laughs> that's not the tip this week, though. I'm happy to be here with you kicking off the week with something quick and actionable that you can implement immediately. That'll make you more magnetic and effective. And today, we're back with Marsha from Yes, Yes, Marsha. Marsha... You've got a little bit more for us, especially with storytelling, which you're really good at. We'd love to hear from you on that. I am obsessed with storytelling, and you should be too, because storytelling literally changes your listeners' brains. Like, if you tell a good story, it's not just that they remember you better and like you more. It also floods their brain with dopamine, which helps with information processing, and oxytocin, which makes them trust you more. Wow. So people will like, we're basically drugging the person we're talking to if we tell a good story. It's like if the caffeine had worked for you this morning, except you didn't have to put any caffeine in your system and you you liked everyone who was around you. Right. And it didn't make me have to pee 78 times. Okay. (laughs) Got it. That's really the best thing about storytelling is the bladder control. Right. You've sold me already. (laughs) (laughs) So storytelling is amazing. When you tell a good story, the person listening to the story, when you do it well, their brain literally thinks that they are inside the story. Like you talk about smelling that coffee and their olfactory cortex will light up. So your brains start going in sync with each other, which is really powerful connection. But loads of people tell stories really badly. And the ways that they tell stories badly, people tend to think the worst thing that you do is to put too many details in. But actually, the worst thing you can do as a storyteller is not put enough of the right details in. And the right details are talking about how you felt. And I know as like North Americans and Brits, we don't super love talking about our emotions. Uh, That's my people's fault. I'm sorry. Um, But actually, when you talk about emotions, that's how people can relate to your story and they can relate to any story. Because I haven't had every experience that you've had, Jordan. Like, I didn't have 12 shots of coffee this morning, but I know how it feels to wake up on the wrong side of the bed and then to like try and do something about it. So immediately I can relate to your story. You know, it can be a story about running away from the KGB and jumping over a bear pit, or it can be a story about going to the corner store to buy a can of soda. If you tell me how you feel, then I can relate to that story. And also, if you have emotions in it, then two other really important things happen. One is that it does all the stuff that I was talking about, the brain science, like you need tension, you need emotions to build tension, and tension makes your blood frame with dopamine and with oxytocin. And the other thing is tension keeps people listening, because when you have emotions, we're intrigued. Like I could say to you at the beginning of my story, I could say, I'm sat in my car outside my girlfriend's house and you would be like, awesome, have a great time. But if I said, I'm sat in my car outside my girlfriend's house and I'm terrified, straight away you're like, why are you terrified? What's happening? Mm. What did your girlfriend do to you? And it builds that tension. And it's the same with like another mistake people make is the beginning of your stories is the most important real estate because that's where people decide, am I going to keep listening or am I going to zone out and just make my face look like I'm listening? And so often with the beginning of stories, we think we need to overload with context. We think we need that person to know absolutely everything that happened into our in our life up until that point. Whereas actually, if you start in an action scene, you tell us how you felt, but you don't tell us why you felt it. You create an information 
information gap. So if you say I'm sat outside um, my girlfriend's house in the car and I'm terrified, you create an information gap because we don't know why you're terrified and we want to know. And as humans, we hate an information gap. It's the reason why those BuzzFeed headlines work on us when it says you'll never believe number six and we want to know what number six is. It's the reason why when Netflix is counting down five, four, three, and we know we have to go to bed and we know we need sleep for our health, but we will keep watching that show because we want to know what happens next. And so you need to create an information gap at the beginning of your stories by telling us where you were, how you felt, but not why you felt. And then you can give us the context and then you can jump back into the story. Great. So we want to make sure that we're sort of checking in. This sounds almost cliche, but checking in with our feelings, because for me as a former attorney analytical type, Hmm. I'm kind of one of those guys that takes their feelings and goes, all right, well, these aren't any useful. These aren't useful at all. Let's throw these in the freezer right now. (laughs) Totally. I don't want to include any of those useful details, like how this is affecting me personally and how it might affect you personally. I want to just give you binary bits of data. Right. And as a British person, I've been taught to never have feelings, bury those stuff down. But actually, that's what's exciting to us when we listen to stories. And there's different ways of talking about your emotions. On the secret webpage that I'm going to make you guys, that's yesyesmarsha.com forward slash charm, I'm going to give you some training for exactly how to use emotions. But the three basic ways to talk about your emotions, one is internal monologue that tends to be our go-to. And sometimes that's helpful. I mean, it's helpful for telling us how you feel and for driving the story along. If you say, I'm sat in my car and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I don't want to go into my girlfriend's house. This is going to be terrible. Then we know that you're anxious. You know, if you say, oh, why did I bring these shoes? I shouldn't have worn these shoes. These are terrible shoes to wear. We know that you're worried about your shoes, but we know that you're worried. The second way is just to name the emotion? Am I happy? Am I sad? Am I scared? And that might seem hard, but you can practice that. If you just pick something that you do several times a day, like getting a glass of water or going to the washroom, then every time you do that and you remember to ask yourself, how do I feel? And it's probably not much of anything, but you can be like, oh, I'm a little bit anxious. I'm slightly happy. And then you'll start recognizing it. I gave that instruction to a client recently and she came back the next time and she said, she's this very like expressive dancer. And she said, you know, you asked me to think about my emotion every time I go to the washroom and it's always the same. It's always joy because I love urinating. So if you do too, it might be joy for you. That's fine. I can roll with that. Um, So that's naming the emotion. And then the most powerful one, which is the hardest one to do, is describe where you feel that emotion in your body. Because we always have a physical response to our emotions. And the reason that's so powerful is because, you know, I was saying when you're listening to a story, your brain thinks you're inside the story. If you describe physically what's happening to you, then the mirror neurons in our brain, the parts of our brain that help us socialize, will make us feel that too. So if you say, I walked into the meeting and my stomach was in a tight knot, our stomachs will go into a tight knot and that will put us right inside the story. Like I always think when you're telling a story, what you're really trying to do is you're trying to create a Freaky Friday style body swap between the person listening to the story and you in that moment. And the brain science backs up that that's what's happening when powerful stories are well told. And so by literally making us feel the way that your body felt in that moment, it puts us right in there. 
The other mistake that I wanted to talk about, the biggest mistake that people make is throwing in spoilers. So you always want to tell stories in the chronological order it happened to you. Like, don't tell me anything that you didn't know at that point. And the reason why is because we lose that tension. Like, you know, when you're watching Game of Thrones or Breaking Bad or something, and somebody tells you about a thing that happens later on, it's really hard to care about that episode because you know that that person's going to die or this person's going to win that battle or whatever it is. And so you break that tension. It's the same with storytelling. If you say, of course, at this point, I didn't realize they'd already given the job to Yusuf, then I stop caring about the job interview you're in because I'm like, hey, you're not going to get it anyway. And I think often when we're telling stories, we're like, oh, there's a really juicy bit. And so we want to throw it in. But hold off and don't tell it until you get to the point of the story where you discovered that fact. Why do we do that? Just to make the emotions more authentic? No, to build the tension. Because if you say to me, like, do you have any do you have any TV shows that you watch that other people have already seen? Like, do you watch anything on Netflix or like are you ever late to watching Game of Thrones or something? Oh yeah, sure. Okay, so have you ever had a situation where like you know that someone's gonna die? Like Game of Thrones is a good example because people just are, main characters are dying all the time. And if you ever have a situation where you know someone's gonna die, when they come on the screen, you're like, eh. You're going to die anyway. I might as well just tune out. Like you don't really care about it. Whereas when you're desperate to know what happens, when you have that information gap, it keeps you listening. And so it's exactly the same in storytelling. If you tell me the big thing that's going to happen at the end of the story, it's really hard for me to stay and care and keep listening to you. Because I'm like, well, I know what's going to happen anyway. It's like basically when you're telling a story, you're making a movie inside someone's brain. So it would be like someone, Will Smith, coming out of the beginning of the movie and being like, okay, so what's going to happen in this movie is I'm a, an FBI agent and I'm going to th- fight three bad guys. One of them, it super looks like he's going to try and kill me. Another one turns out to be a Russian agent. Um, anyway, and then in the end, I win and I save America. Enjoy the movie. You'd be like, okay, well, there's no point in me watching this movie now because I know everything that's going to happen. It's like those trailers that give away everything that happens in the movie. You're like, don't need to watch the movie now. So don't do the same with your stories. Just tell them in, tell them as if you are inside the story at every stage and tell us how you felt. You basically want to keep answering two questions. What did it look like and how did you feel? And you don't want to tell us what happens later and you don't want to start commentating on the story and telling us your philosophy or opinion about what's happening. Literally just report. This happened, then this happened and I felt this. Then this happened, then this happened and I felt this. And that's how you tell a compelling story. Marsha, thank you so much. What can we practice this week that's going to make this process a little bit easier? What can we run as a maybe a drill for ourselves if we're used to blowing it when we tell stories? So this week, find some low stakes people like your friends or the person you're buying coffee from and practice telling really short stories where you include how you felt. Perfect. Thank you, Marsha. You're totally welcome. For the full show with Marsha and lots more just like this, check out the episode on the Art of Charm podcast. That link is in the show notes. Also, she's got some goodies for us at yesyesmarsha.com slash charm. Also, let me know how this goes over the next few weeks and months as you integrate this into your life. Tweet me at the Art of Charm. Let me know how this is working out for you. And don't forget about the Art of Charm Challenge. It'll help you connect with others, create some great personal and business relationships, storytelling stuff. Man, we should throw that in there. There's also step-by-step challenges to help you move forward every single week. And we have a Facebook group with thousands of other AOC family taking the challenge as well. Of course, AJ and I are in there with the rest of the AOC team helping you all move through those challenges. Text AOC to the number 38470. That's AOC to the number 38470. Or go to theartofcharm.com slash challenge and get rocking. All right, everybody. Have a great week.